Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Bart Renders, an infectious diseases physician at the Erasmus University Medical Center in Rotterdam, Netherlands, about aspergillosis and severe influenza. Dr. Renders, can you tell me about what prompted this investigation? Yeah, when I, I was in, in, in training in, in Belgium in, at the University of Leuven, I did my ICU months, and at that time, late 90s, all patients that died in the ICU were autopsied, and physicians from Leuven reported that the, the most often missed diagnosis in these patients that died was an invasive fungal infection. And later, the same research team validated the use of galactomanante on bronchial alveolar lavage fluid in ICU patients, and they showed that this test was very useful to diagnose fungal infections in ICU patients. And I think that this combination made that in 2012, Leuven was really the first group to, to report about aspergillus infections in influenza patients in their medical ICU unit. I was trained in Leuven and I moved to Rotterdam University Hospital and there, because there is a very large hematology population, I became interested in fungal infections. And after some years, actually, very recently, we, we started together with Paul Verlaine and, and a lot of colleagues from Belgium and Netherlands, the Dutch-Belgian mycosis study group. And because there were still a lot of questions about influenza and aspergillus, if this, this association was real or not, we came with the, the idea to, to gather more evidence. Should we do it prospectively? But then it would take many years because one of the questions we had was, depending on the season or not, so we decided to look for large ICUs in, the, in both countries and to, to collect data retrospectively. And we collected data from seven years in seven ICU units. That's how the idea came up. And the questions we wanted to answer was really, is it a problem that is seen in, in some seasons but not in others? Are certain influenza patients at a particularly high risk? Or is it not really influenza, but, but is it very serious uh, pulmonary disease that is actually triggering these infections? So, so I think that's the background we had. How was your study designed to answer your research questions? Yeah, when we, we eventually decided to, to do the retrospective study, we said it would be very important to also have a control group to figure out if influenza is an independent risk factor. And, of course, we, we could imagine several control groups, but we thought that uh, community-acquired pneumonia patients would be a good control group because they also come from outside the hospital and have a pulmonary problem. So that's the control group we took. And then we collected data in all these centers by first generating a list of all patients admitted in these seven years that were tested positive for influenza. And we had to match this, this long list of patients with ICU admissions, and that's how we came to our 400 influenza patients. And then the same we did for the community-acquired pneumonia patients in the ICU, and they, these patients had, of course, to be influenza negative. They had to be tested and tested negative, and we also checked if they were not tested for, uh, positive for influenza uh, outside hospital before they came into the hospital. So that's how we came to the two groups that we could compare, the 315 influenza patients and the 315 bacterial pneumonia patients. And 
these two groups, we also re required that they would not be immunocompromised uh, because that's also a known risk factor, of course, for fungal infections. We had one large group of influenza patients admitted in the ICU, and part of these influenza patients were non-immunocompromised. And this group was compared with the non-immunocompromised pneumonia patients that were negative for influenza. Then several researchers went to these ICUs and they extracted really a lot of data about uh, clinical data, mycology, viral data, the drugs and immunosuppressive drugs that were used or not used. So we generated a large database and, and we could look by regression analysis if influenza was independently associated or not, and among other things. A modified definition of invasive aspergillosis was used in this study. Can you talk us through why a modified definition was needed and what modifications were made? Yes, one of the difficulties, and also the critics, some other colleagues formulated, was that invasive aspergillosis is very rarely really proven by biopsy or autopsy. It's mostly a, a diagnosis of likelihood. Definitions that are commonly used are actually designed to be used for immunocompromised patients not in the ICU, so the ERTC, MSG definitions, to define the patients as suffering from a probable invasive fungal infection. You need a mycological test that is positive, for instance, a galactomanon or a culture. You need a clinical, or actually mostly a radiological sign, the typical halo sign or the well-described nodule on a CT scan. And then the patient has to be at risk so he has to be or she has to be immunocompromised. But the problem is that if you use these definitions outside the, the population for which these definitions were made, you, you come into, yeah, you, you get a lot of problems because radiology, the well-described and the halo side, is, is rarely seen outside the neutropenic patient. And if there is a new risk group like influenza, which is not part of these definitions that were um, formulated many years ago, then, then by definition, the patient cannot be diagnosed with a probable infection. So we had to modify these definitions to try to show that influenza is indeed a risk factor and maybe in future definitions, um, influenza should be incorporated. So that's, that's how we came up with the modified definitions. But we think that, yeah, that they are appropriate and actually because in our results, we also had not a large group, but we had some patients with proven, autopsy or biopsy proven fungal infection and, and the definitions that we used were confirming these proven cases as well. What did your study find? First of all, in the 432 influenza patients, the entire influenza cohort, we found that 19%, so 83 of these 432 patients were diagnosed with probable or proven invasive aspergillosis. And in the subgroup of these influenza patients that were also immunocompromised, the incidence was as high as 32%, so that's really very, very high. And the mortality in the patients with influenza and aspergillus was 51%, which was much higher than, in, than the, the, the mortality in the patients with influenza without aspergillus. In this group, it was 28%, so that was a, a very significant difference. When we compared the influenza patients that were non-immunocompromised, these 350, with the, the pneumonia patients, the bacterial pneumonia patients for the incidence of aspergillus, we found that the incidence was 5% in the bacterial pneumonia 
controls, and it was 14% in the influenza patients that were not immunocompromised. So this difference was also highly statistically significant. And when we did the regression analysis to look for independent predictors of invasive aspergillosis, influenza came up again as being very well associated with aspergillus. Also, using corticosteroids in the weeks preceding ICU admission, even at doses lower than what is considered to be causing immunosuppression, so lower than the ERTC definitions are considering immunosuppressive. This was also a risk factor, and then being male was a risk factor, and being sicker at ICU admission was trending towards significance. What are the implications of these results, both in terms of future research and clinical practice? I think that in, in, in our opinion, the study shows that all patients admitted to the ICU for respiratory failure due to influenza should, if uh, the clinical situation allows, uh, should undergo bronchoscopy to visually inspect the airways because sometimes it's already obvious when you inspect the airways that there is an invasive infection. Bronchial alveolar lavage should be sampled to culture and to test for galactomonum. Serum galactomonum testing in our study was also helping in diagnosing the infection more so than we expected. So serum testing should also be, be done. And I think that if a patient with influenza is in the ICU and after some days or a week, the clinical situation is, is deteriorating, infiltrates are progressing, maybe wise to retest for, for aspergillus by, by serum and BL galactinone testing. That's, I think, a direct clinical implication. And then, although we realize that this may be ambitious, I think that future studies should evaluate if antifungal prophylaxis is useful, whether by, by inhalation or systemically. But this, of course, has to be a, a large multi-center prospective clinical trial. And then, actually, the thing I'm curious about is what would be the incidence if all these patients admitted to the ICU with influenza would undergo state-of-the-art diagnostic testing because in our seven ICU ICUs, only half of the patients, approximately half of the patients, underwent BL sampling. So maybe the incidence may, may even be higher if you do it systematically because some of the patients that did not undergo BL sampling died and may have died with aspergillus but without the diagnosis. And that's, of course, something only a, a prospective study can answer. Dr. Rinders, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Okay, it was my pleasure.